Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. So we have Anna speaking to us today, so let me just pray for her. Lord Jesus, thank you for Anna. Thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to her today. You have spoken to her in her preparation. Lord, thank you that she has things to say from you today that will touch our hearts. And we just pray, Lord, that as she speaks, you will speak through her. And as we listen, Lord, you will speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Over this month of December, we are looking at an Advent journey together. So in this journey, we're going to be actively looking for Jesus and the way that he impacts us here on earth today. Now, as we move closer to Christmas, I don't know about you, but I find that as the calendar fills up and the job list starts to mount, it can be really, really easy to take my awareness away from all that Jesus is doing in this season too. And all that this season points towards. Just a simple look at the timeline of human history reveals to us the significance of the birth of Jesus. There is only one birth that literally split the history of the human race. Our very timeline of human existence is defined by the coming of Christ. When Jesus arrived on earth, he split that barrier between God and humanity, that barrier between heaven and earth. This is what we celebrate on our journey towards Christmas. We're celebrating the incarnation, God becoming man. Now, up until this moment, God had moved and worked in history as God among men. So in the Garden of Eden, we see this beautiful partnership between God and humanity. We read that God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and the perfect relationship that existed between them. But this was God working in human history. Later in the biblical narrative, we read of God parting the Red Sea and the Israelites walking through into his deliverance. And then time and time again, we see these points in the biblical narrative where God enters in and he influences what's going on here in earth. But again, this is God working in human history. Now, in the Christmas story, this changes. It's not God working in human history, but it's God becoming humanity in human history. This is an incredible moment. The moment when the divine steps into the dust. God binds himself to humanity through Jesus. 
He becomes the humans that we are made to be. So that through him, we become the humans that we are made to be. God fuses himself to humanity through Jesus to show us this is how you do it. And today, he's inviting every single one of us to walk into what he has opened up for us. He is inviting you to press into the hope that the incarnation brings to your life today and every single day that you are walking here on planet Earth. But it all starts with an awareness of what God's doing here in this world. So before we delve into God's word, we're going to do a quick awareness test. Now, I wonder how aware are you right now of your surroundings? I don't know if you're like me. It could feel like you've run a mini marathon before you've even entered the church building. So let's see how aware you are in this short clip. This This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team white The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Well, that's exactly what we see in the Christmas story. How many people missed Jesus because he was not what they were looking for? What have you been looking for this last year? What have your hopes been? Where has your attention been focused As we approach Christmas, hope is a word we see a lot. We see it, we read it, we sing about it. But it's easy for hope to remain a word on the wall and not something that we take down and actively walk in. Over the last two years, levels of anxiety and depression have increased worldwide. And mental health has become a real area of concern. Research has found that hope is a key predictor for strong self-esteem and also for strong mental health. There's even a scale that has been developed to measure it subjectively. Our world, it's, it's crying out for hope. But how do I actively pursue hope and walk in hope every single day? The world defines hope to be a sense of optimism for the future or the motivation to persevere towards a goal, even if we're not sure that a positive outcome is likely. 
It tells us that hope is about catching all of the balls that life is throwing at us with positivity, being flexible enough to bend when unpredictable passes come our way, and also to pick ourselves up and keep going when we drop the ball. But biblical hope, it's different. Biblical hope is based on a person, Jesus. It isn't about how many balls are being thrown your way. It's not about the type of balls that are being thrown at you. It's not even about what you do if you drop all of the balls. Biblical hope says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will always have more than enough. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honour to his name. Even when your path leads me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you already have. Biblical hope is that Jesus has entered in and torn down everything that separated us from God. And now he stands here, catching those balls with us and providing us with everything that we need in the process. Biblical hope stands on the knowledge that we do not have to strive to move closer to God because in Jesus, he took the first and greatest step to move closer to us. And now all we have to do is enter in and walk in everything that he has already provided us with. So... Today, we're going to look at the biblical Christmas story through the lens of hope. And as we look at this incredible story, we're going to draw out three key ways that people in this story stepped into hope and learnt to walk in hope. So, our first key for unlocking hope is be expectant. Biblical hope is about waiting. It's about being aware. It's like a farmer who plants seeds. As he waits, he knows that even though he can't see what's going on, important work is going on under the ground for that plant to be ready to push through the soil. The birth of Jesus, it demonstrates that we worship a God who loves to draw near to us. He loves to be involved in the ins and outs of our day-to-day -day lives, even if we can't see it in the moment. He's the God who takes the first move because he loves us. I think this is why ancient practices such as Lectio Divina have been so powerful throughout the ages because it forces us to look back in our day and to try and see where God was moving. And when we stop and we ask ourselves that question, we're always going to find that he was right there 
in the thick of it, with us, throughout it all. So, if the key to unlocking hope is expectancy, I also have to mention an adversary to hope. And that's disappointment. Often we may find that we've pictured things a little bit differently or we've anticipated a different outcome than what we see around us. And it's easy for disappointment to take up residency in our lives. And this often comes hand in hand with hurt. Disappointment is one of the adversaries to hope because it stops us from continuing to look to God's character and lean into the hope that he provides. We need to be able to recognize disappointment in our lives because, as Rob reminded us last week, God so often does work outside of our expectations. He so often shows up in these unpredictable ways. And we need to make sure that we're ready to move where he's leading and trust in his character, that he will carry us throughout it all even if it doesn't play out how we're expecting. So when we look at the biblical story, we're going to look mostly at the book of Luke today. And if you're following along on your phones, I am going to be using the Passion Translation as something different because we want to look at it through a different lens. Hopefully this will help you to see things a bit differently. And the book of Luke, it opens with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, a story of hope dismayed. Zechariah is an elderly priest who alongside his wife has walked the long and painful path of childlessness. We can see from the angel's words that Zechariah, he had cried out to God for a child. The angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. For I've come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Zechariah had cried out to God for a child. This was a hope from long ago. I find it interesting that the name of Zechariah means God remembers. But I wonder over time if Zechariah had felt as if God had forgotten him. Disappointment and hurt had stopped Zechariah from seeing the hand of work in his life, even when it showed up in the form of an angel. Now, this is a pretty big deal. Most of us, I, I think, would want to feel as though if an angel rocked up in our morning, we'd know that God's there. But, but let's see what Zechariah says. Zechariah asks the angel, how can you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? You can imagine the angel just thinking... <laughs> Angel, 
Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He sent me to announce you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time. And a child is born to you. That will be your sign. It's a mic drop. <laughs> Sometimes the balls that life are throwing at us, they're so hard that we need to cry out to God to change our perspective so that we can see him right there in the middle of it. And then stand on that promise, the promise that he is always with us. In the past, as I've read this passage, I felt a bit sorry for Zechariah. It seems like he has a bit of a hard deal. He's had to go through such a, a pathway of pain, and then he's had his speech taken away. Uh, but as I researched this, this last week, I found it interesting that theologians have suggested a different perspective on this. It suggested that God closed Zechariah's mouth in order for his eyes to be more fully opened to what God was doing around him. I wonder if during these months of speechlessness, if God was doing a deeper work in Zechariah's heart of rebuilding an awareness of the fingerprints of God moving in the world around him. When Elizabeth does give birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy, Zechariah writes down the name for his son, John, which means God is gracious. We worship a God who never forgets us, not ever. As we were reminded in Isaiah, I could never no, never forget you. Can't you see? I have carved your name on the palms of my hands. Whenever we feel as though God has forgotten us, let us bring to mind the nail-scarred palms of Jesus to declare how far he would go to draw close to us and to be a part of your life. Our second key for unlocking hope is be thankful. It can be hard to be thankful as we have so many balls thrown our way. Sometimes the last thing that we can be thinking about is thanking God for being with us throughout it all. Thanking him for who he is for what he has done, for what he is doing, and all that he is going to do in this world. In the book of Habakkuk, we read, even though the fig trees have no blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, this is the most dire picture that you could possibly, possibly paint. Everything's gone wrong here. But Habakkuk declares, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful of the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. It's this kind of attitude of praise that we see in the life of Mary. Now, I don't know about you, but as I come to the biblical story, I need to intentionally separate myself from the baggage that comes with Mary in the Christmas story. I need to intentionally remind myself that unlike me, Mary does not know how this story is going to play out. This is big news to her that she is going to have a child. Mary is vulnerable. In this age of human history, betrothals were legal and binding. And they were often arranged when a woman was very young, just a girl. So here is Mary. And she's given this news that to all outsiders' eyes would seem that she has broken what is legal. The other thing that's interesting to note about Mary is that every other person in the biblical narrative has a special lineage assigned to them. We know where they come, you know, they're related to this person and this was their forefather. Mary does not have that. It almost reads as if she's an orphan. We know nothing of her. And it emphasises the obscurity of this girl. I wonder how you would feel receiving this news. Mary has no plan B. She has no fallback plan if Joseph decides to break their engagement. But she chooses praise. In Luke, 20, in Luke 2, sorry, verse 39, we read that a few days after the angel told Mary she'd have a child, she travelled to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, a few days after receiving big news, this is peak anxiety time. By this stage, I have had enough time to process every tricky facet of that news and work out what parts I need to be concerned about. Let's read Mary's response. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he has set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favoured and blessed. Favoured and blessed, they probably would not have been the words I would use. But Mary looks to God's character. She knows that no matter how this unfolds, God is faithful. He is with her. And that is, that is what makes him so worthy of our praise. She chooses to walk in hope. As Paul reminds us, 
always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And we've just finished a series where we've looked at Paul's life. This was not an easy life. It was a life of homelessness at times, of being jailed, of being beaten. So when he says, be thankful in all circumstances, he means all circumstances. Look to the God who is in it with you. He's faithful. This is how we step into hope. Our final key to hope is to follow. This time we're going to jump to the book of Matthew. And in chapter 2 of Matthew, we read about the Magi. These guys are one of my favorite characters in all of the biblical story. They see a star in the sky and they follow it. Now, this is crazy. It's a star and they know that it has meaning. I wonder how many stars the Magi had seen in the past. We don't know exactly who the Magi were. But much evidence suggests they were astrologers from Babylonia. But when they saw this star, they dropped everything. And they went after it to find King Jesus. How many of us would drop everything and go somewhere different because we see that's where God is working I love that in this story, that the Magi, even though things are not as they would have expected, they keep pressing in to finding this new king. They first of all go to Jerusalem, because this is where a king would be born, surely. They go to the palace. But we don't see any evidence of disappointment as they find that this is not where the baby was born. We don't see them saying, sorry, I don't do stables, when they see the star stopping in the sky. They follow it, no matter where it leads. And then we read, and when they saw the stars, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came to the house and saw the child, with Mary, his mother, they fell to the ground at his feet and worshipped him. As we step out in our faith, we need to be prepared to go wherever God is leading us to. And as Rob reminded us last week, it can be risk. It can be unexpected where God is leading but even if it looks hard, as we learn to expect that God is going to show up in our lives, and as we learn to praise him for who he is in our lives, it is natural for that next step to be to follow wherever he might be leading us. And to trust that he knows best. See, often I think that I know what's best for me. 
And I can picture that in infinite detail. But God knows what's best for us. And he always provides for us as we step into those places that he's leading. So this morning, I'd like to give us the opportunity to respond to God. And the way that he is moving in your life today. Because I believe he's moving in every single person's life here today. Sometimes we just need to stop and look for those fingerprints Let's close our eyes and let's just spend a few minutes just focusing on him. The Lord is my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. God, this morning I want to thank you that you open before us the right path. Lord, that we don't have to strive to find you We don't have to break through anything to find you because you've already done that for us, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you that you took the first and greatest step to us. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to step into all that you have for us. Lord, in the quietness today, I pray that you'll show us how you are in the midst of this moment. Perhaps you have been overwhelmed by all the balls that life has thrown at you this year. And you feel like you've lost hope. This morning I want to read to you from Isaiah 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the God who created you. The one who formed you said, Do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Perhaps today you can see how disappointment has stopped you from seeing God in your life. Today, I'm going to read another part from Isaiah. He says, To all who mourn in Israel, 
He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Lord, we just want to claim that this morning. We want to claim that you have made a way for us to exchange those, all of the things that cause us despair, that we can give that to you. And that you replace that with joy that only can come from you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will plant a seed of hope within us that will bloom and overflow and be a light to those around us who are walking in darkness. Perhaps there are some of you who feel as though God has placed a calling on your life to go and follow him somewhere. To you, God says, when you pass through the deep, stormy sea, you can count on me to be there with you. When you pass through raging rivers, you will not drown. When you walk through persecution like fiery flames, you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you. For I am your saviour. Yahweh, your mighty God, the Holy One of Israel. I am with you now, even close to you. So never yield to fear. Jesus, we pray that our eyes will be focused on you rather than the balls coming our way in life. Pray that we can trust you. In, um, in Proverbs, it says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart feel sick. And uh, another translation says, unrelenting disappointment makes your heart sick. And I just feel that there may be someone here or online who has been praying for something for, for years, just like um, Zechariah and, and um, had been praying for, for, uh, for a child. And I, I just uh, pray, I uh, just want to pray for you guys now. Mm. Lord, you see us, um, you know our hearts, you know our desires, and I just feel that there's someone here uh, someone watching or listening who um, who has been praying for years for something, and their heart has grown sick. Lord, I thank you for the reminder that you are a God who sees, who knows, who answers prayer. And so I just pray for uh, a restoration of hope. And uh, Lord, we we pray again for breakthrough for for whoever it is who's um, who has been praying, Lord, and uh, just the assurance that you see them, that you know them. Uh, that you love them and that you are faithful. So this season, Lord, I just pray for an increase in hope. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Anna. Um, it would be lovely just if we could stand together. Let's stand together. I think some of the things that Anna was sharing, some of the things that God was speaking to us, we just want to give the Spirit just, just some time to settle that in our, in our hearts and not to um, move from that too quickly. So let's just take that opportunity right now. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just wait on the Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come this evening, this morning. <laughs> come, Lord. Lord, as, um, as we... I know for many of us, we're kind of reconciling. How, how did we get here? It's already Christmas, and there can be an, a sense of stress and a real challenge to kind of change our expectation and our focus towards this season. And so, Lord, we, I know we just ask that you would come and you'd give us the peace that we need to, um, to be present in this moment. To lean into the things that Anna was talking about this morning. Mm. Mm. We bless you this morning with peace. Mm. The Lord comes and He just brings His peace. Yes. We ask that we just Lord, we ask that peace would just rest on every single person here today. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 